Welcome to Remember, a podcast about building community. I'm Carla Salter. Hi, everyone. It's January 29th, which means we've almost made it through the first month of 2018. I don't know if you can hear it, but it's actually pouring rain outside, which seems about right for the end of January. And January is a bit of a, an extension of the holiday season for my crew. So we celebrate several family birthdays, including mine, and the King holiday, which I'm sure I've mentioned is my favorite holiday. There are lots of reasons to gather and eat cake, and even to miss school, which of course delights my children. It's been a great month, and I'm really excited to close it out with today's episode. So far in this podcast, I've interviewed people who are community legends. They have served their communities in leadership roles for many years. They are quoted in newspaper articles, and they win awards, and they even have books written about them. Of course, people like Larry Gossett and Estella Ortega have much to teach us about sacrifice and commitment and organizing and just about any other community-related topic. But what if we're not cut out to hold elected office or lead an organization? What if we have a deep desire to strengthen the communities we're part of right now, but just as we are? Today's guest, Nora Laughlin, is a beautiful example of someone who regularly does that. Nora is a single parent who was born and raised in West Seattle and lives there today with her 12-year-old daughter. Nora is one of the most open-hearted, generous people you will ever meet, and she is constantly finding ways to help others. This interview focused on her wonderful project, Sharing the Harvest, that connected gardeners who had excess harvest with food banks in need of fresh produce. I love the concept of Sharing the Harvest for all the obvious reasons. It provided fresh produce to people who wanted and needed it, and it took advantage of local resources to fill local needs. But I also love it because it was simple. It didn't require a lot of infrastructure or a new organization or fundraising, or campaigning, or petitioning government officials. All it took was one person with a good idea who was willing to give some of her time to make it happen. Nora is no longer facilitating Sharing the Harvest, but the project still has a Facebook page, which I will uh, list in the show notes. If you're a gardener who might want to replicate the project in your own community, or maybe even take over the West Seattle project, check it out. And if you're so inspired, consider making a donation to your local food bank. And with that, my interview with Nora Laughlin. Good morning, Nora. Welcome. Good morning. Thank you. So I'd like to have you start by just introducing yourself to us. Tell us a little bit about you. Okay. Uh, My name is Nora. I am a 38-year-old single mother. I love to cook, and I love to garden, and... um, I really like to take care of people, which is hard when you have a tween because they only partially want to be taken care of, so you have to put that energy somewhere else. They want to be taken care of, they just don't want to admit they're being taken care of. Exactly, yeah. What does community mean to you? So um, I think my definition is not glamorous at all, but I think it's people that live in close proximity um, willing to give and receive. It's so interesting because I'm getting a lot of people who feel that it has to do with filling a need Uh that community has something to do with filling a need yeah and not just 
people nearby, you know, socializing in some way. But right. But it's, yeah, it's because, deeper than that. Because I don't consider, like, I have, you know, my best friends that I talk to every single day. We do this video messaging app. Hi, Sam and Tana. Um, and, and I don't consider them my community. Hmm. I consider them my friends. Hmm. But so there's a distinction for you. But you could have friends in your community. You, well, you absolutely can, and I do on this block. But, I mean, if my house is on fire, I'm not going to call my friend that, you know, lives 20 miles away. I'm going to go across the street to Larry, who always keeps an eye out for me and makes sure that, you know, we're safe and taken care of. And something's weird. He comes and knocks on the door and... Um, you know, we do become friends and friendly, but it's uh, it starts with the proximity first. So you mentioned that you're a single parent, mm-hmm. and I'm wondering what uh, has that experience taught you about community? Um, so it's interesting because I definitely had the mentality when my daughter was young. I was a single parent from the moment she was born, from prior to her even being born, and I had some learned some probably unhealthy ways uh, dealing with asking for help and receiving help from people. Our culture is sort of very individualistic. Um, and so I had that, that message of take care of yourself. Don't ask for help. Don't ask for too much. And I also had this added internalized stigma of single parenthood that you're a leech or, Mm -hmm. you know, that you, can't do a good enough job, can't take care of things. Um, so I almost erred on the side of really not asking for help when I should have. And I feel that now it's it's <clears throat> definitely made a shift. I still have some of those tendencies, but it's it's part of community, I think, when you, when you had told me that we were going to talk about community. It's just as important to have the givers as it is the receivers. And you'll always have people at different times in their lives that need to fulfill each role. And you can't have a community if people don't have a need and you can't have community unless people are willing to fulfill needs. So Mm -hmm. yeah, I I think that I've gotten a lot better and I'm learning to ask for help and learning that to receive is is just as big a part of community. That's, I love that you said that because I have a a friend, I think of her as like a, you know, one of those guru people who always mm-hmm. has something really profound and earthy to say. Mm-hmm. <laughs> She's always, whenever I have a problem, I call her. Yeah. And she once told me, your willingness to accept help speaks volumes about how you feel about the concept of receiving help. So if you're never, you always want to give and you never want to receive, there's some there's something there. There's something that you're not, I don't know, you're not part of the continuum of giving and receiving like you said it's you know if you believe in community you believe that everyone should help each other out then why can't you be one of the people that gets helped out you know right what's is there a stigma what's wrong with accepting help right so we have to be able to fully embrace accepting help before we can really freely give help right i think right yeah and and not and accepting help like without shame attached to it or without how can i get you back or what can i do for you in exchange Okay, so now I really want to talk about, uh, you started a local initiative, that's what I'll call it, I don't know what you call Mm -hmm. it, um, here in West Seattle that's called Sharing the Harvest. Yes. Uh, So I'd love to, just can you tell me a little bit about it, just start me off before I get into my questions. So yeah, I I kind of consider it just like a, a grassroots project, that's what I would call it. It 
is basically a way of connecting gardeners and their excess harvest with a local food bank. And there are a lot of things like this all over the country. There, I don't know if you've ever heard of the Food is, food is Free project. Mm-mm. Okay, so I love that. And they're on the Sharing the Harvest Facebook page. They were a, a project or initiative that I would often tag or whatever. And the whole idea was that food should be free. It should be given and received freely. And so um, that was the whole idea. So I saw that, okay, I'm a gardener. I love gardening. There's always something extra. Mm-hmm. And nothing pisses me off more than waste, food waste um, especially. So it's like, oh, well, I don't know. I just got kind of a bee in my bonnet one day. I'm like, well, let's just connect these So do you gardeners. have a, con- a community of gardeners that you're part of? Yeah, so there's, um, in West Seattle, there is a really big gardening community. Okay. And what I love about it is that everybody comes from very different backgrounds. They have different political views. Mm -hmm. They have different religious backgrounds. But we all have this thing in common that we love gardening. And I have never met a gardener that wasn't generous. Um, I think it's just, I don't know if it... I don't know if it's the gardening itself that makes people generous or if they're just generous naturally and then it comes out in this way and it's kind of like a nurturing type uh, thing. And some some, uh, gardeners are incredibly generous. And um, I think when it comes to um, giving, like everybody wants to give. Even though sometimes we hold, we feel like we need to hold tight to our resources, and I've definitely felt that at points in my life, yeah. I think really everybody wants to give. And I think the best way to get people giving a lot is to make it easy for them. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. that's the idea. <laughs> I mean, anything that I've ever done like in this sort of um, capacity has been to make it relatively easy for people, and I think that helps to make it successful. Well, and like you were saying about the, there's always extra. I, I have a couple of neighbors who garden. It's not, I mean, just small amounts, mm-hmm. but whenever something is, you know, whatever you say, being harvested, mm-hmm. time for harvest, they always have too much. Yeah. And I'll come home and find a pile of some vegetable on my doorstep because yes. they can't eat it all. Yes. So, and usually we'll try to eat it because we don't want to throw it away, but they just had too much and they didn't want to throw it away. Right. So I think your idea probably was helpful to a lot of people. Not only were you helping them give, but you were help keeping them from having to throw away their food that they've grown. Right, yeah. And no gardener wants to throw away anything that yeah. they've grown. And, and you can only give so much zucchini to your neighbor yeah. or whatever. <laughs> you again. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so how did, so tell me like the logistics. How did, how did you get it started? How did you work with the food banks? And I think just one day, I don't know, I was out gardening and just the idea you know, kind of popped into my head. And then I thought, okay, well, you know, like one day a week I can go pick up produce around the neighborhood and deliver it to the White Center Food Bank. And I'm, I was trying to think of what my connection was to the food bank. And I don't know if I, if sharing the harvest started first or if this community project thing there where I was like organizing a playground rehab, I think I went there to try and volunteer and, uh, Christina Louise Dahl, who has ended up becoming one of my dearest friends, she was the development director there, and she said, okay, we have this project, this playground thing that needs to be done, because it was in really, really bad shape. So they just needed to fix up their playground? Yeah, so we, um, I got a group together again, I have this 
huge pool of this amazing, generous community of friends that love to give. They just need to know kind of where. Mm -hmm. They're just waiting for somebody to ask, you know. And I think that was my first connection to the food bank. And then I became close with Christina and and, um, they were the most frequent recipient. But we also, one or two times we worked with the Orion Center, which Mm -hmm. is um, for uh, kids experiencing homelessness. So how did the, how was the food bank able to process what you gave them? How did that work? It was really, really easy. The probably in different um, different food banks have different rules about produce and accepting it. But for me, all I had to do was gather the produce, deliver it um, before the day. Mm-hmm. I, we, I specifically would deliver it before senior day, and it was it was always gone like that. Sometimes mm-hmm. I'd stay around. I'd be like, oh my god, it's <laughs> it's gone already. <laughs> um, so that people could at that food bank can actually come in and decide what they're going to have instead of just receiving a bag of something yes so the white center food bank is is great in that respect there's um you go first to your like dry foods and then your meats and dairy and all that or eggs you go through a line you have your big box and then they can choose to accept or not accept anything and then they have some choices as well between like x or y x or y yeah and then it comes out to a little open air market it's kind of set up like a little farmers stand and then they can go around the loop and collect things and on the big cardboard box it says you know a number and it's usually like the number of people in the family so they can take based on that number I was gonna Mm -hmm. ask you that how do how do they limit how much yeah Uh, when I was a foster parent we used to go they had treehouse has a a warehouse Mm -hmm. w-e-a-r and they you would give the info about your foster child and then they would tell you how many pieces Yes. clothing you could you could take yeah and then you just go up and check out but you don't have to pay yeah yeah and it's it's really um you know it's not like brutally enforced or anything mm-hmm. and you know I'm sure sometimes it's not always fair but right. you know it it mostly works so how long did share the harvest go on was it for one harvest season or more than one no it was more than one um it was two spring summer seasons then last it last spring I don't know then it kind of just took a little bit of a, a back seat to some personal mm-hmm. personal things but it really as long as I have the time I mean potentially I think the idea could grow and be fantastic mm-hmm. you just have need more volunteers that are willing to pick up yeah I was gonna say someone else could probably just take that role on for you yes for sure. And, um, you know, we make it super, super easy. There's no, um, you know, nobody comes into your house or anything. You don't even have to see people. If you don't want to, you can just leave the produce on your porch. Then somebody, you know, says, you know, I'm like, Carla, I'll be in your neighborhood between 10 and 12 on this Friday. Um, let me know if you have anything. You say, oh, yeah, I do. I will have some things. Swing by, pick it up. You don't even have to be there. You can just leave it out in the morning. And yeah, I mean, my God, I was just amazed at some of the stuff people gave. This woman, Terry, who's this like fantastic gardener and she, you know, she travels all over the world and she's just really very generous and sweet and humble person. And she gave pounds and pounds of blueberries that she grew. And let me tell you, I have six blueberry plants in my backyard 
and it's produced a total of like 15 berries <laughs> and I've had them for two years. So like, and if like, you want to buy those in the store, they're prohibitively expensive. Super expensive. Yeah. So like, especially taking something like that, that's organically grown yeah. and, um, bringing it to involved in picking it. Yeah. And then it gets to go to somebody who wouldn't otherwise have access to this thing because I mean, my God, the other day I was in Safeway cause I didn't have enough stuff to make my kid for lunch. And she was like, Oh, I want these thing of, raspberries and I go <laughs> I started laughing I said those are six January one well, I and well but they were six dollars yeah. and I and I go I'm not spending that for your lunch and she's like well so-and-so got it I go well they're rich and I'm not so yeah so you feel like in that the project was a success and that it could easily be revamped and oh. replicated for sure. Absolutely. I think the main thing is, you know, with any of these types of things, you want to like have a role of safety. Nobody enters your home unless mm-hmm. you know them type of a thing that no volunteer will ever ask to come into your home. Um, it can be as connected or disconnected as you want. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I think the thing about it that that needs to happen is to keep it pretty hyper local just because the gas involved and you don't want to be, you know, uh, have it take hours and hours right. to in your community keep keep it in your community and and yeah totally easily uh you know uh what did you what was the word you used replicable replicable you did and i'm like recreatable what was that word (laughs) but i think you know even if somebody doesn't want to give in that way or whatever you can um you know just sharing with your neighbors and and in any way is a wonderful way to develop your community and um, I'm really lucky because I live on a block of really really wonderful people that have become my friends and that really look out for me and I think that the difference I was thinking about this last night the difference between community and like friendships is you don't really have to think the same way you don't have to um, talk about controversial things necessarily um, I mean, it's great if you can and you do, but I mean, you know, you know, there's always some people's like, I'm not going to even yeah. get into it, but you're still there for each other. Mm-hmm. What did you learn about yourself and your community while you were working on this project? Um, well, what I learned about the community is really the, the deep generosity of gardeners and even people that I, I think maybe would tend to want to hold on a little tighter to um, their group of their safe group of community that you know maybe mm-hmm. doesn't think very differently that they now had access and were willing to participate in giving to people um, who maybe they hadn't really thought about before but yeah, the generosity of gardeners, um, the excitement, you know, they get really excited to want to give my friend Emma. She um, gave away two huge paper bags of her sweet peas. And they were just coming out her ears. And she was so excited to give these things that she grew to people who needed it. How fun is that? And. They were amazing, and I can't grow sweet peas to save my life. Like, so 
you know, so then you also learn like what people are growing too, and you get to kind of be nosy in that respect and learn about what the different what yeah. can be grown and all that. And um, so there's an element of love involved that is different from writing a check to the food bank and saying buy the produce that you need. Right. Although that's great too. And yeah. if people are listening yeah. and want to do that, that's a really, really effective way. Your money is going to definitely go farther than you buying something. Yeah. Um, but yeah, and certainly better than handing off some cans of food that you don't want. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, you know, anything is something, but absolutely writing checks to your food bank is a very effective way to, uh, they make their dollars stretch a lot farther than we can mm -hmm. uh, because of how they have access to, to purchasing food. But yeah, I, I think um, I think people get really excited to give. And you know, they what they would always say every single time is they would be so uh, appreciative of me picking it up and thankful. And I'm like, no, thank you. You know, like you're the one giving. You didn't have to give anything. Mm -hmm. And people would like wash things and make it look so nice and. Um, Makes you realize how lazy you are because I wouldn't do that. <laughs> Just dust Put them off. <laughs> um, and then what was the other part to that? And what did you learn about yourself? Oh, what did I learn about myself? Oh, God. I don't know. I think um, what I learned is that you can do something relatively easy and make a little bit of a dent. I mean, it might not be the longest lasting dent or whatever, but... Um, it doesn't have to be hard. You can just start where you are. Sometimes, I mean, it's really, I feel like, especially nowadays, there's just this level of burnout um, because of our uh, the state of our country that is um, super, super discouraging. Mm -hmm. And I think it is really, it, for me personally, I have definitely felt sort of like, you know, the impending doom of things. And so... But then it's too hard to do anything because there's too much There's too much stuff. Exactly. And so I think, if anything, it's like, just do something. It could be small. That's what I'm, you know, trying to tell myself, that it can be small. It doesn't have to be a, a big deal. Just do something. And I think that's sort of, you know, if, I mean, if we all do a little something and try and be a little more connected with our community, um, makes everybody feel better, makes everybody feel more taken care of. Um, and we will all have to be taken care of at some point in our life by, by um, either our family or our community. And so good to make those, those ties, you know, sooner rather than later. Mm -hmm. And it starts with, you know, uh, making connections uh, for whatever reason first, whether out of need or... Well, that's another thing why I love gardening, because everybody in my neighborhood knows me. Mm -hmm. it, it forces you to be outside. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that's just a little side thing, but... Yeah. For me, that's the bus. Exactly. Same exact that's how, thing. That's how I meet all my neighbors because I'm always walking. Exactly. See, but this is the one problem with gardening is that I'm really, I'm a terrible like winter fall gardener. I don't do anything. Yeah. I just let everything go to pot and um, then I don't see anybody. <laughs> and I want to stay in my warm blanket, you know, whatever. Yeah. But. I, I definitely know the feeling. Well, now I just want to ask you if there's anything else you want to say that I did not ask you about. Oh. You want to talk about that I didn't ask you about. Um, it's, not, it's not a plan. It's a wish mm -hmm. to someday develop something um, so that women, um, mothers, have access to self-care who wouldn't otherwise. Mm 
Mm-hmm. And um, I see a lot of things about self-care nowadays, and it is the most privileged concept yeah. um, that as a, as a single mother who is fairly privileged in her existence, um, I have definitely lived um, very close to burnout. Well, I've experienced it for sure. Mm-hmm. And um, even with all of the advantages that you have. Even with the advantages that I have, which are mm-hmm. my home that I love and um, you know family around and all that kind of stuff, it, it was still a concept that was practically inaccessible to me. Um, in any real significant way, you know, and people are always like, oh, well, go spend money on this, go get yourself this. Well, when you're making $25,000 a year and you have a kid at home and, you know, and, and I, you know, receive child support, there are many people that don't receive anything or maybe they, they're needing to get government benefits just to get by. What are they going to do for themselves in any real way that's more frequent than the once a month? You know, so I hear a lot of these platitudes about self-care that just drive me insane because Mm -hmm. it's like privilege, you know, and I want someday I want to be able to, my favorite thing is taking care of mothers. When I have moms that need me, I feel like, oh, like, I feel like that's my, my thing. Like it, it makes me feel really good. And I like can dote on them in the way that you were able to dote on your babies when they were little. But it's only for like an hour, so it doesn't drive you crazy. <laughs> Not that doting on your baby and starts you crazy. And it means a lot, but, yeah. And it means yeah. a lot, and I really believe, and I have felt this be- even before I was a mother, that the best thing to do for our world is to take care of mothers, to make mothers feel supported um, financially, um, emotionally, spiritually, if that's what they need. Um, so, So yeah. you have a dream of Sunday facilitating that yeah and I think I think it kind of ties in with the same you know I have this access to this community that wants to give and wants to be generous and um, you know I think uh, there are a lot of moms that really really need that care and they need to say they need people to tell them you deserve this whether you can pay for it or not mm-hmm. well and this is not directly related but it is it is caring for someone there's a woman she wrote a book her name is Oshita Moore and it was she talked about her battle with postpartum depression and after she had her third child her last two kids were just back to back and she was totally overwhelmed and her kid they wore the same outfits because she never had time to do laundry Mm -hmm. and someone from her church just offered to do her laundry once a week her husband would come by and pick up the laundry then she would do it and return it a few days later be folded and clean and she said at first she felt a lot of shame yes like I can't I can't even you know do basic stuff like do my kids own laundry you know I feel like a loser and then you don't want anyone to see your dirty laundry like literally your dirty laundry yeah but she just said okay yeah and she said it was such a gift she still remembers that her kids are teenagers now she still remembers how much that meant but yeah, you. Sometimes we're drowning, and yes. we just need someone. And like you said, it means so much to the kids if mom's okay. Absolutely, yeah. it always transfers yeah. to the kids. Yeah. Always. Um, I remember one time uh, taking the bus, and there was a 
young girl. I mean, she couldn't have been older than 16 or 17, and she had a newborn, mm -hmm. and the newborn was screaming its head off, and she was so stressed out. And I remember, like, and she was being a little bit harsh, and mm -hmm. I remember um, being kind of judgmental and thinking of the baby, and then I became a mother, and I was like, no, it's about the mom. She's not being taken care of, so she can't take she care of her. She was probably embarrassed baby. that the baby was crying. She was embarrassed that the baby was crying, okay. which, you know, the older you get, the less you give yeah. about. Okay. <laughs> yeah, yeah, the less you, you care about, you know, what other people think. Um, but certainly, my God, I was became a mom at 26, and I was, you know, embarrassed by all sorts of things mm -hmm. that I would never be embarrassed of now. Did you help her in some way? Or do you just remember your, no. your feelings changed after you thought about it from a different perspective? I think about it a lot now, and I wish I would have just told her, it's really hard. And it's I know, okay. and it's okay. And you're doing a good job. Babies are really hard. Well, Nora, it has been a delight to talk to you. You too. Yeah, you're one of my favorite people, and I look up to you a lot, so it's nice to talk to you. Thank you.